Something Yet to Learn. Amodal Zushi Fan Fiction. Written by Glitter Bombshell. And read by God of Laundry Baskets. Part 1 of the Joy in the Myths of These Things series. It is rated teen enough with pairing Lanjian and Wei Ying. Chapter 1 Spending the winter in Gusu had seemed like a good idea at the time of the proposal. Granted, there was little that did not seem like a good idea when his lajan was wrapped around him so tightly he could feel their heartbeats thundering in tandem, buried inside him and thrusting against that spot that made him see stars. He dared any person alive or dead to be able to refuse Lanzhen anything while in such a state. Certainly Wei Wuxian had only been able to sigh, yes, yes, whatever you want, please, when his husband whispered the request against his kiss-swollen lips. Truthfully, there was no reason to use such underhanded methods to wrangle Wei Wuxian's agreement. They are often at the cloud recesses, for weeks at a time. Lanzhen's duties as chief cultivator hardly allow for him to live a nomad's life, and just because Wei Wuxian can fall asleep anywhere up to and including the bare hard ground doesn't mean he particularly likes to. The warmth and comfort of their home in the cloud recesses is very much appreciated. He has no problem wandering on his own, or with Su Jue and the others, when he gets to feeling stifled. It doesn't even happen that often. The disciplines of the Gusu Lan sect still chafe, but his husband's warm embrace is a balm that counters much irritation. Besides, the list of things he would deny Lanjian is just as comically small, non-existent, as a list of things Lanjian would deny him. If Lajan wants to spend the winter months in Gusu, spend the winter months in Gusu, they shall. All of which Lajan is perfectly aware of. Really, he probably only did it to avoid Wei Wuxian's admittedly theatric token protest and having to promise something extravagant in return. Such shamelessness, such dastardly tactics. Driving him incoherent with pleasure before making such a request of him? Taking such advantage of him in a helpless state, totally at his husband's mercy? Wei Wuxian is so damn proud of him. It hasn't actually been as bad as he'd feared. He's not ashamed to admit he'd been a little dismayed once he curled, sticky, and sated against his husband's broad chest and realized what exactly he had just committed to. He doesn't like winter, and even the height of summer in Gusu was cooler than it ever got in Yumung, and Gusu got snow almost every year. Still, despite the snow and the eternal quiet, and the food. He can't say he hasn't been content these last couple months. Su Jue and Jing Yi are frequent visitors, despite both having increasingly busy schedules as their sect duties expand. Night hunting with his husband and their son, sons? 
He certainly hopes those strange look on Jing Yi's face lately are him silently trying to muster the courage to ask the esteemed Hong Guang Jun about courting his adopted son. Otherwise, the boy might need a visit to the healers for what must be truly terrible indigestion. Is one of this life's great pleasures. There are towns and inns aplenty in the area, and Lejean never begrudges him a night out, whether he can attend or not. After the first time he came strolling back to the cloud recesses well after curfew, none of the guards bothered to make a fuss. The guard, who had made a fuss, still won't quite meet his eyes, even weeks later. He's kind of curious just what Lajan said to the poor thing, but he's not sure he was supposed to realize his husband stepped in at all. Still, curfew breaking aside, he's found ways to entertain himself while Lajan attends to his duties. He's been drawing and painting again, portraits, landscapes, silly little doodles he'd pushed aside for schematics and array designs in his desperate bids to make the burial mounds safer. He had almost forgotten the pleasure he took in painting. The rabbits are almost as affectionate with him as they are his husband these days, and there have been a number of very interesting cultivation treaties published in the years he was, you know, dead. Some of them have been extremely helpful in his efforts to start properly building up this body's woefully neglected golden core. He spent almost as much time in the library in the last few weeks as he did in his entire stay at the cloud recesses as a teenager. If only Lajan were able to join him more often. A small, slightly wicked smirk curves his lips. Wei Wuxian would love to revisit some of those old attempts to fluster him to distraction. Alas, in the absence of his Lanzhen, he'll have to content himself with the new protection charm he's working on. He shifts on the mat, slumping over the table in front of him to prop his chin up in one hand. It's an idea that's been knocking around in his head for a while now, something that had occurred to him on a night hunt. An unfortunate group of travelers had been set upon by bandits and murdered, their corpses massed in a shallow grave on the outskirts of a far-flung farming village. Naturally, the poor souls had come back, clawing their way out of the sad excuse for a grave and seeking revenge. The bandits were long gone. The villagers had no idea what had been left on their borders. A tragic tale, but nothing they had not heard before and nothing that was particularly challenging. He and Lajan had used it as a training exercise for some of the juniors a few years behind Suzhui and Jingyi. Had the whole situation not been so unfortunate, it would have been a fun night, just lounging against his husband under the trees in a moonlight clearing, calling out instructions and encouragement to the juniors. He hadn't even had to pull out Chengqing. Then, one of the juniors had lunged too close to a collapsing corpse, not covering his mouth when the thing started spewing out noxious fumes and corpse powder. It had been a very near thing, but one of the other juniors had yanked their comrade back in time to avoid inhaling a healthy lungful of the poison. Wei Wuxian chews on the inside of his cheek, tapping the end of his brush against his lips, considering... The table is scattered with reference books, scrolls, and piles of talismans. 
some blank, some covered with his scribbles and symbols. He's been trying to perfect a way to charm an item of clothing to create a barrier over the wearer's nose and mouth to prevent such accidents in the future. Or, rather, the barrier is easy enough to create. The challenge lies in making it selectively permeable. It will do no one any good to slap their sleeve over their face and have it choke them unconscious for lack of air. He thinks he's almost got it, but he's going to need to try a few different versions of the charm to see where the barrier needs a fine-tuning. He's sure Sujue and Jingyi will be happy to help, and maybe they can dust it out on a few night hunts before the snow melts, and he and Lanjian can start traveling again. So absorbed is he in his plans, it takes him a few moments to register that he is no longer alone in the library. A cold gust of air shivering against his face and his wrists where his sleeves have ridden up finally alerts him to the presence of other people. He looks up from his papers, blinking owlishly as the last of a small group of disciples files in, each clutching a writing set and a stack of talisman paper. They're staring at him uncertainly, a group of nine of the Lansak's youngest disciples. The oldest one looks like he can't be more than ten. Wu Xian can't help but grin. They're so cute! Starched white robes and tiny forehead ribbons, those adorable cheeks still chubby with baby fat. He wants to pinch them! A few give him tentative smiles, before quickly schooling their expressions as a final person sweeps into the library shutting the door firmly behind them. Instantly, the grin slides off Wei Wuxian's face. Lan Ren stares at him, the snowflakes quickly melting in his hair, doing absolutely nothing to lessen the severity of his appearance. Inwardly, Wei Wuxian winces. Lanjian's uncle does not like him had not liked him even a little bit, even back when he'd been a student here. Now? Now, the most that can be said is that Lan Kiren is no longer obviously fantasizing about running Wei Wuxian through with his sword every time he lays eyes on him. He knows that it's probably the best it will ever be. Mutual pact of non-aggression is likely the best he will ever get from a lot of people. He's accepted that. He can't even blame them. A lot of the mud has been cleaned from his name, but he's never claimed to be completely innocent. And some things can't be forgiven. He meets Lanky Ren's eyes steadily, a thin thread of amusement shooting through him as a man's clear desire to order him to leave wars with his ingrained sense of courtesy. After all, Wei Wuxian was here first, and he is not currently doing anything that would warrant him being kicked out. His supplies are even neatly stacked. Well, compared to his usual mass of organized chaos. Even so, he has no desire to sit in silence while Lan Qiren attempts to glare smoking holes in his head. He sighs and rises. A touch gracelessly, one of his legs has fallen asleep. Master Lan, he says, saluting with a bow that not even Madame Yu would have been able to find fault with, just because he knows it will annoy the man. Forgive me, I was just leaving. He sinks back down, begins gathering his notes. Lan Ki Ren harumps to himself. 
unnecessary, he says, in a tone that suggests the exact opposite. Wei Wuxian bites his lips to hide his smirk and continues shuffling his belongings. Enki Ren does not protest again. He stacks the books and scrolls he's been using up into perfectly neat piles, well aware that the servants prefer to reshelve research materials themselves, particularly where he is concerned. You put a forbidden tome back in the general area once and you're branded for life. The small juniors have all arranged themselves at tables and are busily putting out their papers and inkstones. One of them, though, is watching him intently, a tiny thing that can't be more than seven or eight. He flashes the boy a bright smile. He's almost done straightening his work area when the door slides open again, and a harried-looking, as much as a member of the land sect ever looks harried, disciple almost dashes to Lanky Ren's side. The two confer quietly for a moment, Lanky Ren's brow furrowing deeper and deeper as they speak. Wei Wuxian finishes collecting his notes and stands, quietly heading for the door, while the whispered conversation reaches a fevered pitch. Lanky Ren makes a strangled noise in his throat, huffing out a breath of air as though he's in pain. Wei Wuxian, the man grits out, and he pauses with one hand reaching for the door handle. The disciple, who had come in to speak to Lanky Ren, brushes past him and exits the pavilion without a backwards glance. Wei Wuxian turns back to Master Lan, one eyebrow tilting up in question. An urgent matter has come up, Lan Ren says, every word sounding like it's being forcibly dragged from him. His Excellency requests my presence. Instantly, Wei Wuxian straightens. Lan Zhen, is everything all right? He takes a step forward, worry spiking through him hard and cold, but Lankiren just waves him off. Nothing to concern yourself with. His lips go thin and bloodless, but then he grudgingly says, A diplomatic matter only. No one is in danger. Wei Wuxian heaves a sigh, his shoulders relaxing. Lankiren watches him a moment more, before actually reaching up to pinch the bridge of his nose. Their current instructor is ill. I was meant to take over classes for today. He continues, gesturing towards the tiny juniors. He swallows heavily, and the next sentence sounds bitter, choked. I cannot leave them unattended. Wei Wuxian just blinks at him. Lanky Ren sighs, and Wei Wuxian is suddenly quite sure that were the old master a lesser man, his eye would be twitching. Would you supervise the students until I can send someone to collect them? Wei Wuxian freezes, then slowly glances over his shoulder, searching for whoever has entered the library without him noticing, because there is no way his husband's uncle just asked... Please. Idly, he wonders if that was as painful as it looked for Lan Kiren. There was a time when he would have played into every expectation he can see dancing in the old man's eyes, drawn things out as long as he could just to get him worked up, 
He can't help it. Needling people come so naturally, and he's never got such amusing reactions as he did in the cloud resources. There's just something about these lands. And Lajan is hardly ever phased by anything he says anymore. However, Mankiren said his husband has requested his presence for a diplomatic matter. That means whatever is going on, it revolves around Lajan's position as excellency. And Wei Wuxian would sooner cut out his own tongue than deliberately make trouble for his love in that arena. The work is too important to Lanzhen, even if getting him to admit it is an exercise in frustration. Besides, Wei Wuxian chooses his battle carefully where his husband's uncle is involved. Even nearly a year after the events at the temple, after Jin Gongyao's crimes have been laid bare for all the cultivation world to see, Wei Wuxian knows there are those who regard him, and especially his relationship with the illustrious Hong Guangjun, with suspicion, are waiting to throw anything back in Lezhen's face as evidence of his terrible, terrible choice in partner. And Kiren is one of them, not the loudest of the critics, not the most obvious in his desire for some crack to appear in the foundation of their relationship, but he is the only one whose attitude actually causes Lajan pain. In another life, Wei Wuxian would hate him for that alone. In this life, the knowledge that people and their motivations are never simple and straightforward has been beaten into him down to the marrow of his bones. And as much as he hates to admit it, Enkiren's discontent stems from his love of his nephew. So, Wei Wuxian swallows the impertinent remarks that jump to his lips and gives another textbook perfect bow. Of course, Master Lan. He cannot hate the man. However, part of picking your battles is knowing when to remind the enemy that you still have teeth. He widens his eyes and lets his smile go guileless. Would you like me to review anything with them while we wait? He turns to the nearest junior. They're all so small. Baby juniors! And reaches for their neatly stacked notes. You... As expected, when he turns back to Lan Kiren, the man is stabbing a finger towards him with a thunderous frown. Absolutely not. You are not to review anything with them. These students are copying talisman strokes from prescribed texts. You will watch them until someone comes to relieve you. Is that clear? Enki Ren does not raise his voice, though he looks like he dearly wants to. Out of the corner of his eye, Wei Wuxian sees some of the baby juniors exchange startled glances. Satisfied for the moment, he hides his amusement by inclining his head. Perfectly, Master Lan. Monkey Ren narrows his eyes. Suspicious, always so suspicious, and seriously, does he think he will start teaching the children how to summon fierce corpses the instant his back is turned? Probably. After all, it had not been that long ago that he had tried to forbid people from even speaking to Wei Wuxian. Whatever Lan Zhan needs help with, though, it apparently cannot wait any longer. With a final, warning glare and a swish of wide sleeves, Lan Ren sweeps out of the library. 
Wei Wuxian rocks back and forth on his heels a few times as the door closes, tucking his hands behind his back as he turns to face the baby juniors. The children stare back at him with varying degrees of curiosity, nervousness, and uncertainty. It's... awkward. He likes children. He's good with them, too, whatever anyone else might say. It's been a while since he's been confronted with so many small faces, though, and he's not sure if he should even say anything. A substitute teacher will surely be along as soon as Lankiran passes the message for one. They'll probably break the rules against running in the cloud recesses in their haste to get these impressionable disciples away from his clutches. Which is a shame, really, because he could probably be of help. Talismans? Kind of a specialty of his. For a moment, just a moment, the figures in front of him seem to blur, wavering into other features, different faces he can no longer quite recall the shape of. For a moment, he thinks he can hear the slap of water against docks, sees deep purple robes instead of stark white, remembers bright eyes that looked up at him with trust and adoration, and it aches. He swallows against that knot that wants to rise in his throat, resolutely refuses to blink until the sudden sting in his eyes subsides. Then he smiles his brightest smile at the children. So, what are you working on? He asks, crouching down in front of the nearest junior's table. The boy hesitates, shooting a questioning look at some of the others, who just shrug helplessly. Wei Wuxian tilts his head, makes an encouraging come. Finally, the little Lan holds out one of his papers, upon which the outline of a simple talisman is taking shape. Wei Wuxian hums again, tapping his finger in the center of the paper once. Wind gusts, very useful, he says. They're not, really. A trifling trick. He and Zhang Zheng had mostly used them to dry their clothes faster when they were young, and a bout of wrestling had ventured too close to the edges of one of the lakes. What they are, though, is easy to make. Uncomplicated strokes, easy to memorize form. They take barely any spiritual power to activate, and it's hard to do any damage with them. Not impossible, Wei Wuxian may or may not know from experience. Oh, Suzhe had laughed and laughed and laughed. And he skitters away from the memory before it can fully form, before it can bite. But it's hard. They are, almost universally, the first talisman a disciple learns to create. An easy introduction to the things a cultivator can do with just a brush, some paper, and enough will. He nods and pushes the paper back towards the boy. For a moment he considers introducing himself, asking their names, but honestly, there's no way they don't know who he is, and he will not be supervising them long enough for their names to stick to their faces with his sieve of memory. He settles for smiling as he plops down on the floor in front of them all. Well, you heard Master Lan. Does everyone have the text you're meant to copy? A round of affirmative nods and a chirped, Yes, senior, 
quickly shushed by one of the older children, and Wei Wuxian props his chin in his hands and settles down to watch them copy. He expects to be there for a quarter hour, at most. After twenty minutes or so, he bounces back to his feet and opens the door a crack to glance outside. After half an hour, he finds himself pacing. At forty-five minutes, he has the unthinkable thought that Lanky Ren had forgotten to send someone to collect the juniors, and wonders if he'll be blamed for it. He dismisses the thought as preposterous in almost the same instant, but that makes room for him to wonder what could have delayed the old master in passing his orders. Had the diplomatic matter become worse than Lanky Ren thought? Has something happened to Lajan? Ruthlessly, he cuts that line of thinking off before scenarios can start occurring to him. They are in the cloud recesses, and there have been no major catastrophes, political or otherwise, in months. If something had happened, someone would have come and told him. Well, Sujue, or Jingyi, would have come and told him. Another fifteen minutes crawl by, and Wei Wuxian sinks back down at the desk he had abandoned when Lan Qiren first swept into the library. He casts another look at the baby juniors as he drums his fingers on the stack of reference materials. Most of them are running out of paper, dozens upon dozens of perfectly copied wind talismans stacked up on their desks. They are getting fidgety, shifting back and forth on their knees, tapping their fingers against their tables. The older ones, if you can call them that, the oldest can't be more than ten, are doing a passable impression of the famously unbreakable Land Serenity, but the youngest faces are glazed with boredom. For the past hour, the only sounds in the library have been the barely there shh, shh of brushes smearing ink on paper, but now a few whispers reach Wei Wuxian's ears. He rolls his neck a little, spots the culprits instantly, and nearly bursts out laughing when they immediately go ramrod straight and focus back on their work with guilty flushes. The very idea that he, of all people, would inspire such a reaction. He does laugh, then, and barely covers it into a not very convincing cough. The baby juniors all look up startled by the noise, and he clears his throat. <coughs> yes, so, is everyone pretty sure they could write that talisman in their sleep now? He asks, and one of the juniors giggles before they can stop themselves. He flicks his eyes towards the boy, the smallest of these very small baby juniors, and grins. Yes, senior the little one says, and dares to return his grin with a smile of his own. The boy is still in the process of losing his milk teeth, several gaps in the charming expression, and Wei Wuxian wonders if this is what his Ayuan looked like at that age, white robes and tiny forehead ribbon and gaps in his teeth when he grinned. He hopes his little boy smiled often. For a moment the air in the library seems to crackle, with tension. The oldest children exchange wary glances again, and Wei Wuxian is sure Lan Qiren's parting instruction are ringing through their heads. 
baby juniors they may be, but they are Lan baby juniors. He can practically see the conflict playing out on their little faces. In the end, though, they are children. The smallest is the first to get up and bring a few of his papers forward, holding them out shyly for Wei Wuxian to look at. Apparently emboldened by their tiniest comrade, the others hold the best of their copies up for him to examine. He leaps to his feet again and obliges, clicking his tongue and exclaiming over the drawings as though they are the very best he's ever seen. Nice, very nice. Good, clean line work there, he says. Uh, do you see where you made this character a little thicker than the others? Most of the power will be channeled there. Good, strong gust. But it won't last as long as you think, he says, and... Very nice. Come look at this one, everyone. See how even the strokes are? It takes all of ten minutes for the children to completely forget any nervousness or trepidation, and soon he is fielding question after question. He plants himself on the floor right there in the middle of the library, and one by one, the children gather closer to him. The questions are simple, naturally, but it quickly becomes obvious that their instruction, thus far, has been entirely on the how and not the why of talisman construction. Copying the form is all well and good, and really, for a wind talisman, form is all you need. Still, the children are curious. They're interested. He gives each question, due consideration, and a thorough answer and soon the little ones are pouring back over their work, searching for flaws or redoing lines after Wei Wuxian has explained something. Another half-hour passes, and Wei Wuxian finds himself with nine very enthusiastic students, each of whom holds a stack of perfectly done, ready-to-activate wind talismans. They are beaming at each other and at him, and something warm settles into his chest. He'd forgotten this... The simple pleasure of sharing knowledge and watching little faces light up with understanding. It has been over two hours since Lin Kiren left, and Wei Wuxian is starting to think they really have been forgotten. The thought is still preposterous, but there's no other explanation he can think of. And that's a problem because the baby juniors are completely out of talisman paper now and he honestly has no idea where to get more. Even if he did, he can't possibly make them go back to copying the same lines over and over. It's a purposeless exercise at this point. They've got the wind talisman down. He supposes he could teach them a few others, but Lankiren would probably spit blood, and he doesn't feel like antagonizing his husband's uncle to that degree. Yet. Besides, he has no idea the level of spiritual energy these children can produce, who among them has actually formed a golden core, and whose energy is still shaping itself. More advanced tricks and talismans might prove dangerous. There is a reason people start with something as simple as these. He is about to reluctantly suggest they gather their things so he can start leading them around the classrooms until he finds someone he can turn them over to, when another idea occurs to him. He shouldn't. He really 
shouldn't. Lankiran may not spit blood, but it will definitely antagonize him. My Wuxian will have to hide in the Jingshu for days. He looks over the baby junior lamb's faces, bright and happy and interested, and sighs. Ah, uh, well, it's not like Lankiren isn't aware that about 90% of Wei Wuxian's impulse control is entirely bound to his husband. Surely he'll be expecting something like this once he realizes how long he has actually left these students in Wei Wuxian's care. All right. You've done an excellent job copying these, he says brightly, and gets to his feet with an expression that the citizens of Lotus Pier had once known to fear. Who wants to go try them out? End of chapter one. Something Yet to Learn Chapter two Who wants to go try them out? The question hangs in the air for a few heartbeats, and Wei Wuxian cocks an eyebrow, mischievous grin still firmly in place. A few of the children look from him to the piles of talismans in their hands and back again, and he can see the answer glowing in their eyes. Who wants to try them out? Everyone. The answer is everyone. But children they may be, but they are lawn children. The oldest, or maybe just the tallest. Kids do weird things when they're growing up. He and Jiang Jung had a whole year where they seemed to trade off who was the tallest every few weeks. Steps forward, his small face knitting into a frown. The boy has a pair of thick black eyebrows, and for a moment, his expression looks so much like Lan Kiren's haughty disapproval that it's all Wei Wuxian can do not to dive forward and plant a smacking kiss right between those brows. Ah, uh, why hadn't Lan told him they were baby juniors? Why haven't they been introduced? He knows why, and a familiar curl of wistfulness whispers through him. The miniature Lankiren's mouth works soundlessly, before the boy seems to mentally throw up his hands. Here? he squeaks, and his expression turns even more delightful. He looks scandalized, like some maiden auntie happening upon a courting couple in a compromising position. Wei Wuxian bites back his laughter by sheer force of will, and forces himself to look very serious. Of course not, he intones gravely. Setting off wind talismans in the library is forbidden. And, sadly, it probably is, somewhere in those thousands and thousands of rules. Wei Wuxian holds the somber expression for another heartbeat, and then grins, wide and joyous. Besides, I've got something much more interesting in mind. Outside. The children all freeze. Nine identical expressions of sheer disbelief boring into him. The tallest, 
oldest? He's going with oldest. There's something in that little face that looks more mature than the others. Baby Junior looks torn, before shaking his head. Are you serious? An instant later, his shoulders stiffen in horror at the transgression he's just committed, and he bows so fast, Wei Wuxian is mildly surprised he doesn't injure himself. Uh, I mean, forgive this disciple's impertinence. Impertinence, Wei Wuxian corrects gently, squatting down so he can look the boy in the face, even as low as he's bowed. And you're not being impertinent, don't worry. He is, a little. But Wei Wuxian is fairly certain the heavens would strike him dead on the spot again, were he ever to take someone to task for being impertinent. That would make Lanzhan very sad. The boy straightens hesitantly, licking his lips and reaching up to tug on a small curl by his ear. Impertinence, senior, he amends. Just, Teacher Lance said we were to copy. Are you sure he'd want us to go and try them? Wei Wuxian is sure of the exact opposite, naturally. However, he does not miss the threat of hopeful excitement in the boy's voice, nor the way the other children are exchanging furtive, sparkling looks, tiny grins threatening at the corners of their mouths. They have been so good this afternoon. They deserve a bit of fun. And, if he himself wants to chase the warmth that had settled so sweetly in his heart at their eager questions, at the way they'd hung onto his every word just a little longer, that's no one's business but his own. He draws himself up to his full height again, rubbing his chin with exaggerated thoughtfulness. Master Lan did say you were to copy, he admits. Then he waggles his eyebrows playfully. Which you have, admirably. He said I was not to review anything with you, which I have not. It only counted as a review if he went over things they already knew, right? He's been answering entirely new questions for the last half hour, right? A voice that sounds suspiciously like his husband's mutters in his head about following the spirit versus the letter of a request, but he ignores it with practiced ease. The children are all nodding along with what he's saying, and even the oldest looks significantly less conflicted. Grinning, he goes in for the kill. Metaphorically speaking, of course. And he said I was to watch you until someone came to collect you, which I shall. I'll just be watching you use these talismans to throw snowballs rather than watching you copy lines. The tiniest land disciple, the one with the many gaps in teeth and the most endearing dimples in his chin, straightens as though a lightning shock has raced through him, his bright brown eyes saucering. Really? He breathes. Really, Senior Wei? Ah, oh, they do know who he is. A ripple goes through the others, the land stoicism not quite trained into them yet, and Wei Wuxian is treated to the sight of a few more quicksilver grins. The air crackles with barely concealed excitement. Wei Wuxian taps the side of his nose and holds three fingers up, smiling brightly. On my honor.
he says. But you all have to promise to listen to me and do exactly as I say. He straightens his spine and puts his hand on his hips, meeting each set of eyes seriously. Instantly, most of the little heads are bobbing up and down. We promise, senior, the littlest one chirps. The holdouts, clearly the older ones in the group, including the boy with the curly hair, shift from foot to foot. They glance from him to the stack of talismans in their hands, fretting silently. But... And Wei Lushen cannot stress this enough. They are children. And their teacher, for the moment anyway, is offering them permission to go throw snowballs with magic paper. The holdouts fold like cheap cloth. In seconds, Wei Wuxian has two perfectly straight lines of Lan disciples in front of him, arranged from tallest to shortest. There is a murmur of very un-Lan-like chatter that quickly silences when he claps his hands together once. He turns to the abandoned stack of his own notes and research to hide his delighted smirk. He thinks he might actually be more excited than the children. Hastily, he scribbles a note out on one of his abandoned sketches for the protection charm just in case someone does eventually come for the children. He weights it down with an inkstone, leaving it hanging over the edge of the desk he's been using, impossible to miss. Satisfied that no one will be able to accuse him of kidnapping the next generation of Gusu Lansakt, and oh, how he wishes that were a joke. He waits for the baby juniors to shrug back into their fur-lined cloaks and gloves, opens the library door with a flourish, and leads the children out. The sky is slate gray, seeming to press down lower than usual, and there is a heavy wetness to the air that promises more snow later. For now, the wind has died down. The day is cold, but not bitter, and even Wei Wuxian finds the crunching of the snow underneath their boots pleasant. They walk down to one of the smaller practice fields, a circle of level ground where the younger disciples practice sword forms. The place is usually deserted this time of day, but it's close enough to the main buildings that they should be easy enough to find, if anyone ever comes looking for them. Silently, he wonders if he and Lanjian might have to cut their stay in the cloud recesses short. Just what kind of diplomatic issue could have drawn Lanqi Ren's attention so thoroughly that he has still not sent anyone to get the children? It may require Lanjian's personal attention. Senior Wei? One of the children asks. He's probably eight or nine. A smattering of dark freckles dusts the bridge of his nose. He bites his bottom lip, holding up his stack of talismans. How are we going to throw snowballs with these? An excellent question, Wei Wuxian says. And the truth is, he's not exactly sure. He and Zhang Zheng had figured out every possible way such talismans could be applied to mischief when they were children— but such applications had mostly involved cheating at paper boat races and slicing the blooms off lotus plants. He lets himself drift a moment, ghosts of childish laughter echoing in his ears. 
he and his siblings lying on their stomachs on the warm, sun-drenched docks of Lotus Pier, as they watched crude little paper vessels cut through the glimmering water, urged on with flicks of their fingers and bursts of new power. Shijie, cheering them both on, even as her own boat fell further and further behind. He and his brother, taking turns, missing their boats with their talismans and hitting curs, so that they all made it to the other side of the lake at the same time. He shakes himself free of the past, but not without effort. Right now he has nine very eager children that he has made a promise to. He narrows his eyes, thinking. The mechanics of what he wants to do are simple enough. The training dummies at the end of one field will serve perfectly well as targets. The hardest part will be getting the juniors to properly focus the energy of the talismans. A precise strike instead of just a wild gust of wind. The first thing we need are snowballs, he announces with a resolute nod. He looks down at the thick blanket of white that covers the ground, lifting one foot and wiggles his toes until it falls off his boot in a wet clump. Looks like the snow is the perfect texture to stick together. Still, he shivers at the very thought of picking any of it up with his bare hands. He looks at the juniors and affects a dramatic pout. Sadly, I have never had the occasion to make such a thing growing up in you, monk. Won't you take pity on this poor, ignorant senior and show him the best method? The children light up. There is not a mad scramble, per se, but there is certainly a very un disciple like dash as they immediately set their papers down in the snow and start scooping it up by the handful. Wei Wu Shen tucks his cold fingers up under his arms and listens very seriously as several chattering voices trip over themselves to explain to him the art of making snowballs. Some of them are more adept at it than others. The ones from branch families or smaller sects who have been adopted into the clan, he suspects. The ones who haven't spent all their lives in the quiet, ordered discipline of the cloud recesses. The smallest boy is the quickest of them all, and he darts to Wei Wu Shen's side with every new snowball he creates, holding it up for inspection with more of those charming, dimpled, gaffed-tooth grins. In just a few minutes, there is a respectable pile of snowballs stacked up in front of them. Wei Wu Shen claps appreciatively and nods to himself. All right, next thing. We have to establish some rules. He imagines the expression Lang Kiren would make at hearing him say such a thing. He does not cackle like a mad crone. Barely. He crooks a finger at the freckled-faced Lan, beckoning him forward and reaching for his stack of talismans as he comes. The boy has the cleanest lines of all of them, the characters nice and even, the brushstrokes firm without being too dark. Textbook technique. First thing, he says, how many of you have actually formed a core already? Doesn't matter how strong. Four of them raise their hands, the oldest of the bunch. Wei Wuxian nods to himself. Excellent! Very impressive! 
He takes one of the freckled-faced boy's talismans and pulls a worn nubbin of charcoal stick from one of his pockets. A couple of quick adjustments on the paper, and he tosses it out into the field, stretching in front of their little group. The children jump as the talisman bursts into a gale of wind that rushes over the ground, splitting into three bursts and kicking up ditches in the snow. When the power dissipates, there are three deep, straight lines, about seven feet long, dug into the snow in front of them, about five feet between each line. He winks at his assistant, and then fixes all the juniors with his most serious expression. Everyone is to remain behind whatever line I tell them to at all times. Wind talismans aren't very powerful, but anything can be dangerous if you have enough willpower to make it so. It is very important that you all stand where I tell you to, in case I have to block one of them. I need to know where I can direct the energy safely, yes? Wide-eyed, the children all nod their assent. Secondly, you're only to aim for the training targets. No throwing snowballs at each other. He wags a finger at them chidingly, and is again met with nine little heads nodding gravely. A couple look like they are biting back giggles. He marks it a victory. Now. He gestures them all closer, and the children cluster around him, the littlest ones actually jostling their peers to get a good spot. He crouches down in the center of them, holding out another of the freckled-faced boy's talismans, as well as the one he selects from the mini Lankiren's stack. See this character in the corner? He says, pointing to the nearly identical brushstrokes on each paper. This controls the force of the gusts you create. See how this one is darker than the other one? More ink, more pressure on the stroke. One of these will be much stronger than the other, draw more spiritual energy to the force of it than the direction or how long it lasts. These talismans are actually really easy to adapt. You can change almost anything about them. He falls into the easy rhythm of talking, explaining, showing, spinning to and fro to meet each pair of eyes as he talks. He hands the talisman around and lets the junior practice powering it up, sweeping the spiritual energy away with a snap of his fingers before it actually had a chance to fire the wind gust. Judging by their exuberance, at even that, he gathers they have not had much opportunity for such things yet. Even the few golden cores that have formed in the juniors are weak, fluttering things like tiny birds just barely coming into their flight feathers. He scratches his head and tries to remember the training regimens back at Lotus Pier. He'd had a hand in all of them as head disciple, but he'd mostly been regulated to working with the juniors Su Zhe's and Jin Ling's age. He'd taught archery to the youngest Yumeng Jiang disciples, and their weapon master usually passed off the basic swordsmanship to him in the hottest months, as often as Madame Yu had punished him with her endless drills. His grasp of Yumeng Jiang sword fighting had been flawless. He'd never been responsible for teaching talismans and spell work, though. But it's probably fine, even if he doesn't exactly remember how old he and Jiang Zheng were when they'd learned this stuff. The children are glued to his every word, 
curious and questioning, and they all understand the mechanics just fine. A few of the youngest have trouble focusing their energy enough to feed the talisman, but that's not unusual. Satisfied, he stands up and shakes a bit of the snow from the hems of his robes. He grins at them. So, he says, drawing the word out with deliberate slowness. Who wants to try first? Predictably, nine hands shoot into the air, and he is sure only their nascent land decorum is keeping them from leaping up and down for his attention like pup like some small, cute baby animal that is most assuredly not associated with the devil incarnate that is a dog. He waves the freckled-faced boy forward again and nods at him to grab a couple of snowballs from the arsenal. Everyone line up behind the nearest line, he says, and is pleased when they obey immediately, shuffling in a group. Already flinching at the cold, he takes one of them and tosses it from hand to hand a few times, before tossing it straight up. Not bothering with another paper talisman, he focuses his own spiritual energy as the ball falls back to earth, sketching the shape of his command in the air before flinging it against the snowball right before it hits the ground again. A burst of wind kicks up a small spray of snow, and the snowball arcs back up as though it's been struck with a stick, sailing towards the training dummies at the other end of the field. It smacks wetly against one of the targets, and one of the juniors cheers as though he's done something amazing. He doesn't have to look to know it's the smallest disciple. He takes up position behind the freckled-faced boy, laying a hand on his shoulder as he holds up one of the talismans. We're going to go one at a time first. Whatever happens, as soon as you have your turn, go back to the end of the line. It'll probably take you a few tries to get it right. I'm going to move some of you closer or further away from the target. Here he indicates the three lines cut into the snow. Wherever I'm standing, I want everyone else behind the line behind me. Questions? The baby juniors shake their heads silently, and there is another, not quite scrambled, to get into an orderly line. Wei Wuxian watches them a moment, then turns back to the freckled-faced disciple. He bends down and picks up the other snowball off the ground where the boy had dropped it. Ready? he asks, and tosses the snowball high when the boy nods. The baby juniors are... not good at this. Snowball after snowball splats back to earth while the children miss them again and again. Wing gusts kick out every which way but their intended direction, though Wei Wusheng carefully keeps everyone out of the line of fire. Sprays of snow fly up and swirl in the air like miniature blizzards, and he has to carefully redraw his boundary lines every five minutes. It's a delightful way to spend an afternoon. The children attack their task with the enthusiasm of the very young, and in any other place, Wei Wuxian knows the training field would be filled with shrieks of laughter. The juniors listen raftily to his instructions, preened under the praise he heaps on every try. Their cheeks redden and their eyes sparkle, and Wei Wuxian's face starts to ache a little at how hard he's smiling. It's been a while since he's had this much unabashed fun, and slowly the children find their footing. The wind gusts become less erratic, 
More of the snowballs are tossed back into the air, though nowhere near the training targets. The children band together to gather up their fallen ammunition, packing the snow back into spheres and adding more. The first time one of the juniors, the mini Lankiren, of course, manages to whack a snowball almost halfway to the targets, the others actually burst into applause, clapping their friend on the shoulder. Hui Wuxian wants to ruffle the boy's hair and pinch his cheeks, but he settles for saluting him with a wide grin. The boy's flush of pleased surprise as he bows back is both adorable and hilarious. Now that one of them has managed it, the others double down on their efforts. More and more snowballs sail through the air, successfully wind-blasted, and when the freckled-faced boy finally hits a target, one would think he'd managed to take down a high-level demon all by himself for all the excitement of the juniors. The stunned pride when Wei Wuxian salutes him as well is even more adorable and more hilarious than the mini Lankirens. Wei Wuxian flicks a look up at the sky, and then back at the path they had taken from the library. Still, no one has come for them, and the bell for the evening meal will surely be ringing soon. He flexes his own chilled fingers, wraps his cloak more tightly around his body. Last round, everyone! You'll still have to put your supplies back in the classrooms before supper. Unsurprisingly, there are many slumped shoulders and looks of disappointment. Ah, 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 such faces, he chides. You've all done so wonderfully. Truly the best snowball throwing I have ever seen. There is one figure, though, that doesn't cheer up at all with his words. Wei Wuxian tilts his head slightly, his gaze zeroing in on the youngest disciple. The boy's eyes are downcast as he toys with the edge of his cloak, gnawing on his lip as though he's trying to keep from crying. The littlest junior has not even managed to fully power a talisman yet, his spiritual energy barely sputtering the direction he wants it to go. Wei Wuxian's own delight dims at the thoroughly disappointed look on the little boy's face. Not for the first time. He's almost viscerally reminded of his Ayun. Not the wonderful young man Su Zhue grew up to be, but the tiny child who had clung to his Shingaga's legs and demanded stories every day and lullabies every night. Before he even realizes he is moving, he finds himself crouching down in front of the boy, ducking his head so he can look in his eyes. Hey, he says gently. There is no need to be sad. I know it's disappointing not being able to do something your friends can do, but that's why you're practicing. You have such good teachers here. Soon you'll be leaving all of us in the dust, I'm sure. The boy's lips tilt into a tremulous smile, but he doesn't look like he really believes what Wei Wuxian is saying. The disciple with the freckles steps forward, hesitantly shifts his weight from foot to foot, before grabbing the smallest junior's hand. Lashin tries really hard, senior way, boy says, squeezing his friend's hand encouragingly. But he has a hard time focusing his energy. Teacher even has him stay after classes sometimes to recopy his notes so that he understands better, but nothing seems to work. Youngest disciple, Lashin, apparently, and Wei Wuxian thinks he will be able to remember that name after all looks sadder and sadder as his friend speaks, 
and Wei Wuxian decides that will absolutely not do. He squints at the boy consideringly, tapping his fingers against his thighs before he stands up again. Machine, will you try something for me? He asks, holding out his hand. The boy looks up at him, startled, but after a few heartbeats, he trustingly takes Wei Wuxian's hand. He smiles and leads the boy a few steps away from the group, stopping by their discarded pile of snowballs. Wei Wuxian swallows against a rush of memory, almost expects to hear Wang Qing's voice calling after him to make sure he buys everything on her list and to have Ah Yun back before dark. I'm going to power the talisman with you this time, okay? He says, his plan forming even as he speaks. Of course, he has no idea why Lanshin is having the kind of troubles the freckled-faced disciple talked about. He just has a suspicion. An older memory than the laughing child at the burial mounds. Older and dimmer even than the sun-soaked docks and the paper boats. Let's go of the boy's hand and quietly guides his small fingers to his own wrist, pressing them right up against one of his meridian points. Gently. So gently. He lets his own spiritual energy pulse against Lanshin's. Feel that? he asks. At the boy's confused nod, he smiles. The memory rises in his heart. Little more than images of Uncle Zhang's kind smile, the warmth of his infinite patience. Wei Wuxian had been so frustrated, so far behind Zhang Zheng and the others, years behind where he should be in his training. He could feel the energy inside him and couldn't get it to do what he wanted it to do. Here, Xian, feel that? I want you to just feel what I do. Don't try to power anything yourself, he says, reaching for a snowball. Just concentrate on what the energy feels like. Smell of the water. Sounds of it lapping against the docks, and Uncle Zhang's big hand covering his, letting Wei Wuxian feel the pulse of his energy, what it was meant to feel like. He throws the snowball in the air and barely waits for it to start its descent before he lets the talisman fire and burst forth. He hears Lanshin's sharp intake of breath as the snowball arcs out towards the training targets. When he looks down, the boy is staring at his fingers, eyes shining intensely. Do that again, Lanshin breathes, forgetting his manners. Wei Wuxian grins at what he hears in the boy's voice, though. Uncle, again, please? This time he doesn't bother with the snowball, just lets his energy flow into the talisman and kicks up a gust of wind that swirls around them, blowing a cloud of snowflakes up into the air. Shin's eyes fall shut as though he's listening to something. One more, he gasps, and then seems to remember himself. His eyes snap open and he grabs at Wei Shen's sleeve with his free hand. I'm sorry, I mean... Please, senior Wei, one more time? Wei Wusheng cannot resist chucking the boy under the chin with a fond smile. As many times as you need, Ah Shin, he says, the endearment slipping out. Of course, Ah Shin, as many times as you need. Once more, he fires a talisman. 
once more. He watches something like understanding pass over Lanshin's small face. That's what... Oh, that's what... The boy whispers to himself. As the wind dies down for a third time, Lanshin lets go of Wei Wuxian's wrist and steps back. A determined look settles on his face, and he takes the talisman Wei Wuxian holds out to him. When the little boy nods, Wei Wuxian tosses a final snowball into the air. Lanshin's eyes follow it, and Wei Wuxian swears he hears the entire rest of the class take a collective breath. As it starts to fall to the ground again, Lanshin's hand snaps out, and the talisman actually flares, a perfectly aimed gust of wind shooting out and smacking square into the snowball. Wei Wuxian laughs out loud, claps joyfully as the snowball is flung, sailing in a perfect arc farther and faster out into the training field than almost all of the others. It hits one of the training targets dead center, and Lenshin's whole spine seems to straighten at the wet smack of it. There's no hint of even nascent land decorum. The other juniors burst into cheers. Wonderful, magnificent, well done, Lenshin, well done, Wei Wusheng crows, clapping his hands on the boy's shoulder and patting them proudly. He is very nearly bowled over when the child suddenly lurches forward, wrapping his small arms around Wei Wusheng's waist and burying his face in his stomach. Before Wei Wusheng can react, Lanshin is already stepping back, ducking his head shyly as he wipes his sleeve against eyes that have a suspicious shine. I'm, I'm sorry, he whispers. We're not supposed to have outbursts. Thank you, Senior Wei. Thank you very much. The ecstatic grin on Wei Wuxian's face mellows to something sweeter as the rest of the baby juniors crowd around Lan Xin, congratulating him. You're very welcome, he says. He glances around the training field as the juniors get themselves back under control, flicking a few quick charms at their piles of snowballs to scatter them. The clouds are even heavier now, the promise of snow growing by the minute but he probably shouldn't advertise what they'd been doing all afternoon. Not that he's going to try and get the children to hide it or anything, even if there weren't about a hundred rules dealing with lying and secrets in the cloud recesses, he's not going to ask children to be dishonest on his behalf. Besides, as long as he has Lanjan to hide behind, it might be amusing to see Lankiren's reaction when he realizes what's been going on. As he turns to gather the students back into their perfect landlines to go get ready for supper, he realizes he's about to get part of his wish. End of chapter two. Something Yet to Learn Chapter 3 Lanjian, courtesy name Lan Waji, His Excellency, the duly elected leader of the cultivation world, Hong Kong Jun, second of the twin jades of Lan, is an extremely powerful cultivator. His restraint is legendary. His serene control of his mind and body 
are as near to perfection as a mortal man can hope to be. He is not being prideful. These are merely statements of fact. To deny the truth of them would be to disrespect and belittle his own abilities. He is... He is... He is above such petty things as a tension headache. Even so, when the meeting that has occupied his attention for the better part of a day finally, finally draws to a close, he is relieved. A headache is nothing. A minor irritant easily brushed aside and cured by a cup of tea or a moment's quiet meditation. But he will admit that the frequency with which he finds himself doing so is disheartening. He'd known that accepting the position of excellency would change his life in ways he couldn't predict, had known it would be an incredible amount of work, and would require him to develop political skills he was, frankly, lacking in. He had not anticipated it would involve this degree of pettiness, annoying pettiness. Huge rifts in alliance and power vacuums created by the events at the Guangyin Temple and Jin Guangyao's scheming he can navigate. Whether he wills it or not, the cultivation world regards him as a pillar of righteousness, a steady, unyielding force for good. Even when some wanted to malign him for his refusal to bend to the other sex's will, for his support of Wei Ying, for his unflinching affection for a man they all hated, they found themselves with few allies. He can handle the big problems. He does not understand why he must also handle all the little ones. Today is merely the latest in a long line. A territory dispute between two relatively minor sects brought to his attention only because the disputed territory lay on a major trade route. Should the sects decide to settle their disagreement with battle, it could disrupt deliveries of food, supplies, and medicine for all the surrounding areas, not to mention affect the economies of several large towns and cities. Najan has been listening to the two sect leaders argue and spit at each other like alley cats for the better part of the day. In the end, he had asked his uncle to join negotiations out of what he very firmly told himself was not desperation. Then Jiren had taught both sect leaders in their youth, and had apparently been quite good friends with one of their fathers in his own. They have not made much progress by the time the winter sky begins its early darkening, but Lanjan is at least confident that they are no longer on the brink of attacking each other. He will take the win. He nods politely as the sect leaders bow to him, his back still perfectly straight, his hands resting gracefully on his knees. Only Wei Ying, his brother, and perhaps his son would be able to read the slight twitch of his fingers, the minuscule tightening of the corners of his eyes for the signs of pain they are. His temples throb, the pain thudding dully right against his eye sockets. 
He had meant to take supper in the dining hall tonight. Uncle will surely wish for him to put in an appearance. Wei Ying rarely suggests they eat there on his own, but is happy enough to spend time with the juniors in Sujue's cohort if Lajan asks. Privately, he suspects Wei Ying just enjoys pulling increasingly ridiculous faces at the juniors when Lan Ren is not looking, until someone breaks and shatters the quiet of the meal with a snort of laughter. But that is neither here nor there. As he finally rises from his seat, though, he finds the idea of going to the dining hall unbearable, especially as the arguing sect leaders and their attendants are likely to be there. The rules against speaking during meals are always relaxed when a large contingent of guests are present, and someone is sure to attempt to draw him into conversation. Perhaps the sect leaders will try to bend his ear further to their cause— and he doubts very much that Wei Ying will be able to hold his tongue, particularly once his love realizes just what the two are fighting over and how much it threatens the stability of the surrounding areas in the dead of winter. Which would just draw Uncle's ire. Does not want Wei Ying to have to deal with that. He does not want to deal with that, they have so far been having a very pleasant stay in the cloud recesses. Really, it is best for everyone if he and Wei Ying take their evening meal together in the Jingshu. Perhaps Zhu Zhui will be able to join them. Wei Ying has been puzzling over some new bit of spellwork in the past several days, and he knows Su Zhui and Jing Yi are eager to begin testing it. Visions of a quiet evening in his home perhaps reading, perhaps playing his guqin, as his husband and their son bend their heads together and talk animatedly over a subject they are both passionate about, or dancing in his head as he sweeps out of the meeting call, uncle close on his heels. He is about to ask for someone to send word for Sujue to come to the Jingshu for supper if he wishes, when he spots his son already making his way towards him. Jing Yi is at his side, as he ever is these days, even more so than when they were children. Even at a distance, he can see a frown on Jing Yi's expressive face. Su Zhui is much too polite to let his displeasure with something be known in public, but Lan Zhen also recognizes the tense set of his son's shoulders. They appear to be coming from the guest quarters, where the visiting sect members have all been assigned rooms. The throbbing in his temples creeps down the back of his neck into the top of his spine. Hong Guanjun, Grandmaster, Su Zhui greets as he and Jing Yi reach them, both bowing respectfully. Mazhen nods back, raising an eyebrow at his son. What is wrong? he asks without preamble. Jing Yi and Su Zhui exchange glances, but the tension they're carrying seems to ease. Su Zhui smiles, slightly shaking his head. A minor disagreement between some of the guests, he says, to which Jing Yi snorts inelegantly. If you call almost drawing swords minor, he mutters. Almost immediately his eyes dart to uncle. In seconds, his posture is textbook perfect, and he bows his head, 
staring at the ground as though it is the most interesting thing he's ever seen. That is, Sujue diffused the situation. You helped, Sujue says, his voice brooking no argument. Jingyi shoots him a small, pleased smile. Uncle sighs heavily, and when Lajian looks over at him, the man looks as though he is regretting every decision he has ever made. Wonderful, Uncle murmurs. The sucks are peopled with petulant children, and Cloud Recesses is reduced to a nursery. Were Lanjian not so thoroughly fed up with the state of affairs himself, he would be impressed that their warring guests have managed to arouse such a reaction from Uncle. Usually, his husband is the only one who can stir Lankiren to vehemence. He is fed up, though, and so he merely makes a non-committal hum as Uncle smooths imaginary wrinkles from his sleeves. After a moment, he sighs. Excuse me, I had best go relieve Lanfang of the novice class, so that he may eat. I believe he is on the first patrol rotation tonight. At that, both Sujue and Jing Yi go absolutely still. Jing Yi pales dramatically, and Sujue's lips press into a thin line. Lajan tilts his head at his son, but Sujue is staring at Uncle. Grandmaster, Sujue begins slowly. Forgive me. But I'm afraid the novices won't be with Lanfang. It is Uncle's turn to freeze, staring at the two juniors in unblinking surprise. What? He bites out. If possible, Jing Yi goes paler. We were about to go get them when we heard shouting from the guest quarters, he says quickly. Su Jue nods. We were the only ones around. Sujue adds, squaring his shoulders. He shoots a look at Lanjan, who dips his chin in a single nod. His son's eyes brighten at the subtle show of support, and he continues. We thought that the more important matter to attend to. The disciples seemed far less willing to argue in front of us. We'd hoped to prevent tempers from flaring until someone more senior could address the issue. Sujue's expression remains as clinically polite as Lanjan's own, but he hears the disapproval in his son's voice. Indeed, Lanjan will be speaking on this matter. Such a shameful display by guests will not be tolerated. Hmm, you did well, he says. It is almost comical how quickly Jing Yi relaxes. Uncle, however, sputters. Do you mean to tell me you have left our novice class with Wei Wuxian all day? Uncle does not shout. Shouting is forbidden in the cloud recesses. He looks like he dearly wants to. Both Lanjian and Su Jue stiffen at the way he says Wei Ying's name. Su Jue's smile does not slip from his face, though, and he tilts his head in a gesture of what looks like genuine confusion. Grandmaster, he says, his eyes widening slightly. Why? Why would we not? Did we take Master Wei from something else you asked him to do? Wei Ying would fall to the floor laughing at Uncle's obvious horror at the thought. 
Lanjan merely levels the older man with a cool stare, one almost perfectly matched by Su Jue. Poor Jingyi's eyes keep darting between the three of them, and he looks like he can't decide if he wants to stay and watch this play out or run screaming. In what world is trusting our youngest disciples to that... that... <sighs> Uncle breaks off with a sound close to a growl, and Lanjan narrows his eyes. He tries. He... tries to stay out of his uncle's conflict with his husband, tries to trust Wei Ying's assertions that uncle just has to get used to him, just has to have the time to see that he is not going to hurt Lanjan, but he will not stand here and listen to his heart be slandered. Grandmaster, Su Jue says again, and again his voice is filled with innocent confusion. Just last month, Master Wei was a supervising senior on the night hunt near the eastern border. Lai Zheng's class? Lai Zheng has read the reports. What had first seemed to be a straightforward haunting along a lonely stretch of road had turned out to be a nest of minor demons. A large nest. That no one had been killed was incredible luck. That no one had even been seriously injured was a minor miracle. And that was largely due to Wei Ying's quick thinking and ability to improvise spellwork, traps, and talismans. Some of the elders are still not sure what his husband did to those spirit nets. Su Jue holds uncle's gaze steadily, maintaining a guileless expression, and Lan Zhan can't help but be impressed. Because Uncle is just as aware of what had happened on that night hunt as Lanjian is, and Su Jue has neatly left him with no other option than to abandon his complaints, or try to suggest that Wei Ying is somehow qualified to assist a group of juniors against a flock of nesting demons, but not to watch a class of novice disciples for a few hours in the heart of the cloud recesses in front of two of the best disciples the sect has produced in a generation, and perhaps the best disciple the sect has produced in a generation, who also now holds the title of Excellency, and is completely, irrevocably, hopelessly in love with the man Lan Ren might make such an argument about. Uncle subsides. Su Jue's eyes flash with something that might be identified as satisfaction, or Lan Xian inclined to do so. Sometimes, Su Jue is such a perfect blend of him and Wei Ying, it is hard to remember he is not technically related to either of them. That Wei Ying had been absent for the better part of his life. The precious precious child whose mere existence had held the shattered remains of Lanjian's heart together in those first years after Wei Ying's death is such a melding of the two of them. Lanjian's unyielding honor and personal righteousness, Wei Ying's nigh-unbreakable spirit and boundless capacity for kindness, his respect for duty and sense of responsibility, Wei Ying's curiosity and determination, 
He likes to think that Su Zhui's bottomless heart, his endless ability to love, comes from all of them. Him, Wei Ying, the Wen remnants Lanzhan had only barely come to know, even Wen Ning and Wen Qing. You must admit, though, he has no idea where this frankly political astuteness comes from. Sujue's ability to maneuver people, to absolutely take stock and measure of a person in just a few short minutes, will be an incredible asset to the sect. It almost reminds Lanzhen of his brother. But Xichen's diplomacy and politics have never had quite the edge Lanzhen has observed. If he ever happened to mention it to his husband, he would know. He would know how Wei Ying's throat tightens when he makes those same observations, his heart aching with the memory of the proud, fierce woman who had been one of his dearest friends by the time everything fell apart. Uncle subsides, looking as though he had just taken a drink of something foul, and Sujue executes a perfect, respectful bow. Jingyi and I will go now and relieve Master Wei. We'll make sure the class gets to the dining hall in time for the evening meal. Uncle harumphs and waves them away, apparently so discombobulated that he forgets that technically Lanzhen outranks him now and should really be the one dismissing all three of them. Lanzhen cannot wait to see the expression on his husband's face when he tells him, he thinks he sees Jing Yi smother a grin as the two turn and bow to him as well. Wait, he says. I will walk with you. He excuses himself from uncle, bidding him a polite good night. He pretends not to hear his uncle still huffing angrily to himself. The approaching evening is pleasant for the season. Cold but not harsh, and the air holds a heavy stillness that promises another snowfall. Despite some dark memories, Lanzhen has always enjoyed winter. The quiet of the mountains around them, the sense that nature itself has curled up and gone to sleep under a blanket of smooth, tranquil white. He enjoys the peace. Su Zhui and Jing Yi hurry ahead of him, chattering softly as they head for the library. He follows at a more sedate pace, taking a moment to clear his head of the turmoil of the day. From the context of what Su Zhui had said to Uncle, Wei Ying has been left alone with the most junior disciples for several hours, possibly since Lanzhen summoned his uncle. He knows Len Kiran would have left careful instructions— had probably forbidden his husband from doing anything but sitting and staring at the children as they copied their lessons. He is not even a little bit surprised to find the library pavilion deserted when they arrive. He is a little bit surprised that his husband thought to leave a note. Jing Yi sighs, half exasperated, half amused. I don't know why I expected anything different he says. What is he even going to do at the practice field? There is, of course, only one way to find out. The three of them head down the path to the practice fields, and after only a few moments, 
he hears the cadence of Wei Ying's voice carrying in the still of the afternoon. His love sounds happy, and curiosity unfolds in La Jeanne's chest. He's not worried in any way, shape, or form, would trust his husband with the lives of anyone within the cloud recesses. As ridiculous as Wei Ying can be, he will have taken his care of the children seriously. He will admit, though, that he is not sure what Wei Ying would have done with a group of children that small for as long as he has been left. He's half-braced to find the practice field populated with snowmen, or the children bearing each other up to their neck in drifts. What he finds is his husband having... a class? Su Zhui and Jing Yi come to a halt at the head of the path, not stepping onto the field. Lan stops just behind them, watching. They are not hiding, exactly, but it does not escape his notice that the corner of the building beside them effectively blocks them from Wei Ying's line of sight. His love stands in the center of the smallest practice field, three deep furrows dug into the snow behind him. The novice juniors range in a semicircle before him, staring at him raptly as he speaks. Fond warmth blooms in his chest as Wei Ying's hands dart through the air, gesticulating wildly. Even from this distance, he can see the smile that lights his husband's face, hear the laughing delight in that beloved voice. He could spend the rest of his life merely listening to the sound of Wei Ying's voice. As they watch, one of the children steps forward, holding what looks like a piece of talisman paper. Wei Ying takes it and holds it out, pointing to the various lines and characters, nodding as the children answer whatever question he's just asked. Then he hands it back to the junior and gestures for the others to line up behind one of the lines he's dug in the snow. He and the junior step a little forward, the junior stooping to pick up a... snowball? What are they doing? Jing Yi asks. The young man is whispering, despite the fact that they are too far away for Wei Ying to hear. Is Master Wei having a snowball fight? The without us is silent, but implicit. I don't think so. Sujui says. That class just started with wind talismans, didn't they? But there's no way they'll be ready for... Wei Ying takes the snowball from the junior, tosses it high in the air. As it begins its descent, the child snaps his wrist forward, and the talisman flares to life. A gust of wind bursts forth, connecting with the snowball and sending it flying out towards the practice targets at the other end of the field. The icy projectile doesn't connect, falling short by a few yards, but Wei Ying applauds anyway, patting the boy on the shoulder and spinning to face the others. Uh, apparently they are, Jing Yi says, elbowing Su Zhui in the side. Lai Zhen is no expert, but if he had to make a guess, that particular tone is about to die from envy. Recalling his own lessons for such things, Lan cannot say it is not a reasonable reaction. 
he remembers, standing in a perfect line with a few other young disciples in one of the classrooms, stepping forward to power a wind talisman at a lit candle on the other side of the room while their teacher watched silently. They were not allowed to progress to the next lesson until they could activate the talisman and blow out the candle without harming the wick. It had taken Lanjan days to get it right. This... This looks far more interesting. Wei Ying speaks to the children again, and Lanjian sees them slump in disappointment, start shuffling around as though they are getting ready to leave. His husband has apparently noted the time, and the fast-approaching evening. One small figure remains still, though, and Wei Ying goes to crouch down in front of him. Jing Yi sighs a little, his own shoulders slumping. Ah, uh, is that Lanxin? Poor kid. He shakes his head sadly. I don't know if he'll ever catch up. Jing Yi! Sujue chides. What? All the teachers are thinking it. Master Fang has me tutoring him for weeks. He's not making any progress. He's been here a year, and he can barely focus his spiritual energy enough to meditate. Forget forming a core. I think they're probably going to shift him over to study with the healers or something soon. His voice is not without sympathy. The clan would never abandon one of its disciples, especially one so young. If the boy shows no ability for cultivation, he will still be given an education and apprenticed with a suitable trade when he is old enough. The sect takes care of its own. Still, it is never an easy thing to realize you are not meant for what you thought you were, that the life you had dreamed of was not to be. Wei Ying suddenly takes the boy's hand and leads him a little ways away from the rest of the group. They stop by a pile of snowballs, and Wei Ying kneels down in the snow. Lanjian's brow furrows as his husband guides the boy's hand to the pulse point of his own wrist. Su Zhui and Jing Yi are clearly curious as well, walking further down the path to get a better look. Lanjian follows. The three of them step onto the practice field unnoticed. The entire class is riveted by whatever Wei Ying is doing. He watches as his husband flings a snowball into the air expertly tossing it with a wind talisman. Beside him, the boy seems to jerk. He says something to Wei Ying, and Lanjian finds himself drifting closer, wanting to hear what they are saying. Wei Ying fires off another talisman, and then a third, before the young disciple finally steps away from him, taking the talisman paper Wei Ying offers. Su Zhui and Jing Yi exchange startled looks and Lanjian is no less surprised. If what Jing Yi had said was true, surely his husband must know this will likely only end in more disappointment for the boy. Surely his heart would not do something like that to a child. Wei Ying would not. Of course he would not. The entire class in front of him takes in a collective gasp when the snowball Wei Ying has tossed starts to fall to the earth, only to be neatly caught by a gust of wind. It sails across the field and hits one of the training targets as Wei Ying's joyous laughter rings out over the field. 
His husband applauds the boy wildly, and in an instant the other juniors have all joined in. Wonderful! Magnificent! Well done, Lajin! Well done! Ying exclaims, laying his hands on the boy's shoulders proudly. Warmth blooms in Lajin's own chest when the disciple flings his arms around Wei Ying's waist, hugging him tightly before he seems to remember himself and the restraint that is expected of a disciple of the Gusu Lan sect. The boy whispers something, wiping at his teary eyes with his sleeve. Even from where he is standing, Lajen can tell the child is regarding his future husband with something close to worship as he is swarmed by the other juniors, all of them laughing and congratulating him and not acting with even a little bit of propriety. Lajen cannot find it in his heart to even think of scolding them especially not when Wei Ying has turned fully towards them, finally realizing the three of them have joined his impromptu class. That beloved face lights up with a wide grin, cheeks flushed with cold and hair dusted with snowflakes kicked up by all the wind. La Jeanne can feel all the tension of the day melting away like sugar on the tongue. Uh, Hong Kong Jun, one of the other novices gasps, following Wei Ying's line of sight. As though they have coordinated it, the juniors flail briefly before falling into two straight lines in front of him. Wei Ying can barely contain his laughter, biting his lips together as the children salute him solemnly, then bow to Su Zhui and Jing Yi as well. Wei Ying stretches, cat-like and pulls his cloak more tightly around his body, tucking his bare hands up under his arms. He grins, blinking innocently. We ran out of talisman paper, he offers. End of chapter three. Something Yet to Learn Chapter 4 We ran out of talisman paper, Wei Ying offers, with a smile that is too innocent to be believable. His eyes glitter with mirth, and he winks audaciously, well aware that Lan Zhen has no intention of scolding him for not staying in the library. At least the children seem to have gotten something out of the afternoon. The junior disciples watch the exchange between them with wide eyes, their awe of him a palpable thing in the cold air. Still, as Wei Ying teases him gently and slings his arms around Su Zhui and Jing Yi's shoulders in delight, the children relax, fractionally, enough for the smallest of them to quietly scamper forward and tug on Jing Yi's sleeve. He flicks a nervous glance up at Lajan, but his excitement overcomes his nerves. Brother Jing Yi, did you see me? Did you see what I did? He whispers, practically vibrating where he stands. 
Seen her way, showed me how to make the talismans work. I see what you've been talking about now. Jingyi squats down to the child's eye level with a bright grin nodding. I did see, Ashin. I'm so proud of you. He looks up at Wei Ying slyly. Senior Wei's a really good teacher, isn't he? The child nods so hard, it's a wonder his head doesn't bobble right off his neck. Senior Wei, can you come teach our class tomorrow? If Teacher Lun isn't better yet. Instantly, his husband is surrounded by young children, each of them looking up at him with wide, hopeful eyes. They don't even notice that they are all now standing less than a foot away from the chief cultivator and arguably the most well-known disciple of their clan. Su Zhui hides a soft laugh behind his sleeve, and Jing Yi looks entirely too pleased with himself. Wei Ying, though, chuckles nervously, rubbing the side of his nose and shooting a somewhat desperate glance at Lan Zhen. <laughs> I'm sure Master Chiren has planned your classes very carefully while your teacher is sick, he says, twisting his fingers into the hem of his winter cloak. I will always be happy to help out, but I wouldn't want to mess up his schedule. His husband shakes his head and pats the nearest child's hair. But we had great fun today, and you learned something, yes? Yes, Senior Wei. The novices chorus eagerly, and Wei Ying huffs out a laugh, his lips curling beautifully as the corners of his eyes crinkle. Now, I have to talk to your Hong Guangjun for a moment. Su Zhui, Jing Yi, do you mind helping them get everything put back in the classrooms before supper? Their son agrees quickly, and with another set of very formal bows, and more than one childishly longing look at his husband, the juniors depart. The smallest one turns to wave at Wei Ying as they head up back the path to the library pavilion, which Wei Ying returns heartily. Lan feels a warm, fond smile curve his mouth, barely there to anyone else. But when Wei Ying turns to look at him, his husband's whole face softens. Wei Ying steps forward, crowding in close to wind his arms around his waist and resting his weight against Lanzhan's chest. Lanzhan can feel the chill radiating off his love, how icy his fingers are even through the layer of cloth at the small of his back. Mmm, you're always so warm. Wei Ying says with his eyes closed in bliss, tilting his face up expectantly, as he ever has, and ever will. Lan obliges. He kisses his husband lazily, one hand cupping his cold, wind-chapped cheek, until Wei Ying pulls back with a happy hum. He leans up to peck Lanzhen on one cheek, then his nose, before finally stepping back and releasing him. Hello, he says, his eyes still sparkling impishly. I've missed you today. It has been less than eight hours since they saw each other over breakfast, but 
Lajan nods anyway and takes his husband's hand. He frowns slightly at how cold those fingers are, quickly gathering the other hand and briskly chafing the skin. Wei Ying lets out a happy sigh, staring at their joined hands with a tiny smile. Your gloves? he asks, a touch of exasperation coloring his words. He himself has bought Wei Ying no fewer than three pairs of gloves in the past month, and he knows Su Zhui has loaned him his spares on at least two night hunts. Still on the table where you laid them out for me last night. Probably, Wei Ying says, his smile turning sheepish and apologetic. Ridiculous, Lai Zhen murmurs, but does not stop rubbing his love's cold hands. In my defense, I've never actually lived in a place where gloves are a necessary part of your wardrobe in the winter. Hmm. Anyway, do you want... Wei Ying begins, and is interrupted by a voice further up the path. Your Excellency! Excellency! You're needed! Your uncle requests your presence in the guest quarters, a disciple calls, and just the fact that he has raised his voice to get Lanjian's attention tells him he is not going to like what he finds. Instantly, all the tension comes rushing back to his shoulders, and he cannot help a small grunt of impatience. Wei Ying presses his lips together and turns his hand over to squeeze Lanjian's hands in sympathy. Duty calls, he whispers, leaning up to kiss him sweetly one more time. I'll get supper for us and take it back home. Invite the boys to join us, he says, reading Lanjian's mind for all intents and purposes. As it had earlier, the idea sounds wonderful. Hmm, please. He says, regretfully distangling their hands as the disciple calls for him again. The snow that has been poised all day long finally starts coming down, heavy fat flakes like clouds in the air. Wei Ying looks up at the sky, grinning as they land on his face his hair, his eyelashes. He's beautiful, even in the flat gray light of the winter afternoon, dusted with crystalline white and flushed from the cold. He's always been the most beautiful thing Lanjen has ever laid eyes on, no matter what face he wears. He turns away, reluctantly, He's having a pleasant evening with his family. He doesn't care if he has to cause a diplomatic incident to get it. He does not have to cause a diplomatic incident. But it is a near thing. Still, he doubts very much that any of their guests will have the nerve to test his patience tomorrow, so hopefully they will be able to solve this whole affair sooner rather than later. They had better. It is still fairly early in the evening, but night falls swiftly in the mountains, more so in the winter. 
the snow has thickened considerably, coming down in a steady fall that shows no signs of letting up. He makes a mental note to check their supply of firewood before he enters the jingshu and calls for more in the morning. The cold has never bothered him, but he knows his love feels it keenly. He makes his way down the winding path that leads to the home he shares with Wei Ying, but as it comes into view, he stops. He always does. The windows are covered against the cold and the snow, but gentle golden light seeps out of every crack and seam. The smoke of a fire puffs out of the clay chimney along one wall, and he knows the fireplace will be roaring merrily, inviting warmth ready to wrap around him as soon as he steps through the door. As he stands there, Wei Ying's laughter rings out from inside, piercing the evening stillness like sunlight piercing a cloud. Sixteen years. For sixteen years, there was no light or warmth waiting for him here. For sixteen years, his beloved's laughter was a distant memory, a ghost he could neither clutch close nor let go of. It hurt to remember that sound. It hurt more to think he might forget it. For sixteen years, he had existed on the very edges of life. Only his duty and his desperate love for his son, their son, keeping him tethered to a world that Wei Ying no longer existed in. And now he has this, all of this, a home spilling over with laughter and love and light. The heart of the man who has owned his since he was a teenager. Days and days and days, filled with the chattering voice he had thought silenced forever. Nights and nights and nights with Wei Ying in his arms. His to hold, to kiss, to desire, to make love to whenever they wanted. Wei Ying here, and alive, and always looking at Lanzhen like he has just finished hanging the sun, the moon, and every star for Wei Ying's personal enjoyment. The life he had ached for for so long. The life he had never dared to think he could have. He regrets the way things ended up a lifetime ago. For the rest of his life, he will regret the people who should not have died, the betrayal and questions his brother must now learn to live with, the pain and suffering his love had endured, the pain and suffering he endured. So many of them did not deserve the fate that had been dealt them. But... 
He cannot regret this. If the pain of the past was the price he had to pay to have this life with the man he has loved longer than he has known what love is, he would pay it a thousand times over. He's moving again, opening the Jingshu's door. The small room is pleasantly warm, especially after the walk from the guest quarters, and Lanjian relaxes minutely. He slips his cloak off and hangs it to dry. Turning to find Wei Ying is already up and bouncing across the floor towards him. Lanjian, he calls, as though they had not just seen each other less than an hour ago. Su Zhui and Jing Yi politely hide their faces as Wei Ying throws his arms around him, kissing him far more soundly than he'd ever do out on the paths of the cloud recesses. He lets his love drag them over to their small table. Supper is already laid out and steaming, and he sinks down into his seat beside Wei Ying, their son and his best friend. Perhaps more? He's not sure he buys into Wei Ying's theories about a change in their relationship, but they are sitting much closer than they usually do. Wait for them to serve themselves before digging in, and Lanjian sits back to savor his tea. Wei Ying's voice washes over him in a soothing wave as he draws Su Zhui and Jing Yi into animated conversation. The junior's long since used to the fact that Wei Ying refuses to allow the no-talking-during-meals within these four walls. This, he thinks, is contentment. This is happiness. And later... When Su Zhui and Jing Yi have bade them good night and headed for the junior's quarters, when he has his husband in his arms and they are spent and sweaty and sated beneath the blankets, he decides that this is joy. Thank you for assisting with the novices' class today, he says finally, breaking the gentle quiet of the room. Wei Ying's head is pillowed on his chest, and he is slowly carting his fingers through his love's long hair. Wei Ying snorts a little, turning his face to press a sloppy kiss to Lanjian's still heated skin. Course, he mumbles. All like I mind. You don't have to thank me. Lanjian hums, neither agreeing nor disagreeing does not have to thank his husband, but he knows his uncle will not. And Wei Ying could not have been expecting to have the care of several small children for hours on end today. Jing Yi was correct, he says after another few moments of quiet. You are an excellent teacher. This time, Wei Ying rolls over to half-lie on top of him, crossing his arms over Lanjian's chest and resting his chin on top of them. He is blushing faintly, his face twisting into something that is half-pleased, half-uncomfortable.
Ah, uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. You've only seen me supervising night hunts and explaining talismans. That stuff's easy. Not much different from what I did at- His voice hitches slightly, before finishing a little softer, a little sadder. At Lotus Pier. Lajan tightens his arms around his husband. He had not meant to bring up bad memories. Not easy, he says quietly. Not for many people. Wei Ying huffs out a laugh. <laughs> Ridiculous, he says in a fairly decent impression of Lajan's usual tone. Would you want to? Not just take the juniors on night hunts. Teach classes here. The laughter is louder this time. <laughs> Can you see me writing lessons and grading papers, lecturing all day? <laughs> oh. Lajan does not point out that his husband usually ends up grading half of the junior's night hunts reports anyway, and that a lesson plan would have just involved him writing down what he was going to do with the novices before he did it. He also does not miss the wistfulness that fills his love's eyes before he blinks it away. Admittedly. He cannot see Wei Ying being happy lecturing. But, somehow, he doubts any class Wei Ying taught would stay strictly in the realm of lecture anyway. The more he thinks about it, the better he likes the idea. You would be good at it. Lashan, <laughs> Lashan, you have too high an opinion of me. You're my husband. You have to think I'm good at everything. Not good at cooking, Lajan says immediately. Wei Ying laughs again, burying his face in his arms. Cannot put things away properly, he muses, and Wei Ying smacks his chest lightly. Can so? I just don't see the point of putting my things away if I'm just going to use them again. Terrible at picking up wet towels. This time, Wei Ying pinches him, still laughing helplessly. <laughs> all right, all right, you win. You don't have to think I'm good at everything. I still think the idea of me teaching actual classes is ridiculous. Najan just tilts his head slightly, brushing his lips over the crown of Wei Ying's head. He thinks of the way the young disciples had all gravitated towards Wei Ying in Coffin Town hanging on his every word and trusting him implicitly after even such a short time. He thinks of the way Sujue is usually surrounded as soon as his cohort is assigned a night hunt, the juniors furtively encouraging him to ask Wei Ying to accompany them. He thinks of the young novice that Jing Yi said had had so much trouble in his classes staring up at his husband with wide, worshipful eyes. He thinks of how happy Wei Ying had looked, standing on the practice field with the novices, 
how he fairly bounces with delight whenever he is set to accompany Su Jue and the others, even if Zhang cannot go with them. How freely he shares his knowledge and experience, with no other expectation than to share something useful. Not ridiculous. Not ridiculous at all. The end. Thank you for listening. Author's Notes It is my own personal opinion that adult Wei Wuxian twigged onto malicious compliance in his dealing with Lang Qiren and never looked back. Also, yes, everyone knows Lanxian is all Wei Wuxian's impulse control, but I wanted to leave the boy some dignity. And reader's notes, I just wanted to make sure to include that author's notes because, oh my god, I cannot help but completely agree. Wei Wuxian is totally the type to take malicious compliance to the next level. It's so, it's, it's the definite, I learned and memorized all 3,000 rules, so I know exactly how to bend them and to find the loophole because I'm just that kind of asshole. It's amazing. I love Wei Wuxian. And I love, oh, Wuxian is so soft in this. Oh, the last two chapters. Like, I love, okay, I'm, uh, I'm going to, so this was, uh, going back. This is a podfic that I'm doing for the podfic summer swap exchange for, um, Inkjet, who, uh, was all about, uh, uh, this pairing, uh, but also had some requests for tropes and had some requests for, uh, fluffs. And this isn't, I, I don't read a ton of fluff stuff, but like, this is when I, I was like, just trolling through my bookmarks, trying to find like something that would fit, um, something that I also really enjoyed. And then I stumbled across this one and I was rereading it. And I love, I love this book so much and I hope you enjoy it as well. But like, it's just, Wei Wuxian's, like, giddy joy and excitement at teaching and how much he, like, just genuinely enjoys it. And then Lan Zhan's, like, utter softness for his husband. And I'm just like, oh, oh, this is so soft and nice. And there's a little angst sprinkled in just for, like, you know, flavor. Um, But it's just so genuinely soft and makes me so happy. And, uh... I, I, I'm imagining it probably came across in a lot of this, uh, uh, because I think, uh, my smile tends to, um, when I'm reading with a big grin on my face, but, uh, yeah, I, this, this story just really, really just makes me so happy that I can't help but grin through it all because they're just both, they're all so cute and they're the babiest lands and they're, yeah. They're cute. They're adorable. Anyways, all of this to say, um, I really love this fic and it's so nice. So, uh, thank you so much for listening and have a good night, day, afternoon, morning, whatever, whatever time, uh, because time is fake and, uh, I don't know, you know, (laughs) anyways, uh, goodbye.